The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, what did you hope for as a child? Did you try to achieve it? And what's the result? As a child, what did you want for your future? Did you hope for achievements, such as money, career, marriage, or kids? Were you striving for a feeling, such as acceptance or love? Were you hoping to help the world or striving to be important? I have to confess that it was the latter one for me. (laughs) Did you pursue your dream? (laughs) How did you pursue it? Did you succeed? If you've achieved your dream, are you glad you did? Or if you haven't, did you try something else or just give up? In this episode of Inside Out, we're taking a journey of self-exploration where we acknowledge what we hoped to experience in life, review whether or not we tried to achieve it, and acknowledge what have been the results of our efforts. Expect some surprises and commit to making changes if needed. Perhaps our dream, perhaps our dreams weren't right for us to start with. And it's time for a different perspective. Or maybe your dreams were right, but the path to achieve them was flawed. Maybe it's time for a tune-up. Let's ask Beth Green. So stay tuned and call in with your question or comment. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Hi there. So this is a show where it would be really helpful if you guys called. (laughs) Since it would be helpful to hear what your answers are so that I can talk to you about them and we'll see what emerges from all of that. Um, So, you know, people talk about follow your dreams or follow your passion and sometimes you do and you end up, you know, in a moat or you fall off the edge of a cliff, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah. And, And sometimes you follow your dream and you end up with a heroin overdose. And sometimes you follow your dream and you get everything you want, but is it really what you wanted? And sometimes you follow your dream and you're happy. And most of the time, we don't really know what our dream really is. I mean, when I say that, if we, we uh, are not always aware of the essence, especially if, because we're, today we're really focusing on when we were children, what did we dream? Okay, I, I'm going to be a fireman, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Or I'm going to be a doctor, or I'm going to be, I don't know what, a nurse, uh, a mommy. And um, I think it'll be just a lot of fun to take a look at what our childhood uh, dreams were and uh, how we we try to fulfill them, and did we, and were we sorry. So uh, I do encourage you, James, you want to give out the phone number? Yes. Uh, Our phone number is 1-866-472-472. 5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 well you guys you know you know that I'm a spiritual teacher and uh, I tend to emphasize the higher consciousness or God or higher power or uh, divine consciousness over our egos so um, 
you know, to me, the question really comes down to what is the nature of our dream and is it coming from my ego or am I being guided by the source? So that's going to give you a little clue as to what I might be talking about today, but we already have a caller and I'm going to invite her to join us. It's Helen from California. Hi, Helen. Hi. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be a good guest because Uh-oh. The, the only thing that I can remember in a in a career kind of way as a child was that I was fascinated by paleontology until I realized you had to be out in the desert. Um, <laughs> Would you please and then I dropped share? that and really had oh, no on. dream at all about a career. Okay, uh, Helen, 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 why don't you, just in case some of our listeners don't know what paleontology is, maybe you should say what study, it is. It's the study of the evolution of humanity from the physical point of view. Um, you know, how did we get from apes to humans? Or did we? Right, or did we? <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> so you didn't want to have to do all that physical work. It wasn't the physical work at all. It was the isolation. Oh. Okay. So, so you, you know, I yeah. thought the second thing I thought when thinking about it was that being loved, you know, has always been... James mentioned, you know, was it a feeling that you were after? Yeah. And I think I let go of the intellectual fascination with paleontology because I came more focused on the idea of being loved as a vocation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I bet you that a lot of our listeners can really identify with that, even if they don't acknowledge it or they haven't thought about it that way. Uh, So much of what we think we want is really a way of getting something, whether it's love or admiration or something like that. So what did you do to try to be loved, Helen? Well, became sexual way too early. Yes. That's basically... Many of us have done that. Yeah. And did that make you feel loved? No. <laughs> no, it didn't. But I kept doing it for decades. Amazing, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Well, Talk I, about I love- the lack of human evolution from apes. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're right. hairless apes now. Right. Essentially, and you, you keep doing it over and over, and it doesn't give you the feeling of love. Well, what was it about being sexual that made you think it was going to make you feel loved? Well, I felt desired. Mm. Well, so that brings up a really interesting question. Did you want to be loved or did you really want to be desired? And what is the difference? So what I'd like to do with these dreams is kind of get to the bottom of what you were really looking for. So why don't you take a moment to ask yourself? Well, I must have wanted to be desired. Yes. Because... (laughs) It certainly wasn't effective at getting me to feel loved. No. Uh, you know, I would have so, just had one boyfriend and stayed with somebody who loved me, you know. Yeah. But that, that wasn't the case, so. Uh, yeah, so there it is. You were looking to be desired. Now, here, let's ask one more question. And believe it or not, we actually have more callers despite what I'm doing to your dreams here. So I'm impressed at our audience, as usual. Okay, now, Helen, why did you want to be desired? Why was that your dream? 
Well, I don't know if it's the tried and true, my father left me when I was young answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not it. Okay. Um, Was it so that I could prove I was the best of the six kids in some way? No, I, what's coming to me, uh, Helen, and see if this feels right to you, is that the person who is desired is the one in the power position. Yeah. And I think that if you feel loved, that doesn't necessarily bring with it the sense of power. But being desired really does, especially if you don't feel the same desire for the one that is desiring you. Mm, uh-huh. So I think that you were looking for power, and the power that you you saw or you or you didn't see maybe from the in the people around you was that they were desired, and you didn't want to be in that position. Absolutely. So, um, uh, have you achieved that dream of wanting to be desired, or do you want to give it up? Oh, I'm definitely ready to give it up. <laughs> I still like to be desired, but only in the context of real love. Yes. So how are you doing with that one? I'm feeling loved <laughs> and desired, and it's heavenly. <laughs> so it's not an ambition. So look at that. You didn't exactly get your dream, but you got something better. I did. That's exactly right. I didn't get my dream, but I got something better. Thank you. Well, good for you. You see the trouble. Excuse me? I just said Uh, it feels so great to realize uh, that. Thank you. uh, Thank you so much for calling, Helen. Thank Uh, you. I I think it's, it's so wonderful right off the bat for us to realize how often our dream is really corrupted by some fear or some ego or something that just messes up the dream. And uh, we're better off if it doesn't get, uh, if we don't get it. And our next caller is Amy from California. Hello, Amy. Welcome. Thanks, Beth and James. Um, Mine doesn't seem so, uh, anyway, I'll just say what it is. When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was go to France on my junior year in college. That's all I planned for. And I thought I was going to be a translator at the UN in New York. All right. And the funny thing is I never wanted to be in New York City. (laughs) And to be a French major is not the same as being born bilingual. So as far as I could tell, you can never really become fully fluent. At least I didn't think I could. So when I hit my junior year, I didn't know what to do because I'd already done that. And now what? So I was floundering and decided, well, since I liked physiology and science, that I should go to med school. That was very concrete organized, and I would knew what I would be at the end, except that it doesn't fit me very well. <laughs> and so that's it in a nutshell. So you're telling us you had two dreams that weren't really that great of a fit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's very good. You know what I'd like you to do, though, Amy, is I'd like you to go into your heart, because the first one was junior year, and the, la- and the second one was after that, uh, in college, right? And um, these are pretty, you know, I'm asking you, what was your dream as a child? Why don't you see if you can connect to what that was? Because we can see very clearly that these, well, the second, the last one about uh, being 
a physician, did you say? Yeah. Uh, you said that wasn't a very good fit. So we know that there was something motivating that that didn't have anything to do with being a doctor. Right. Uh, and what was it? Maybe there's a clue in the wanting well, to be. I guess um, to show that I was smart and to have security and to know how things were going to turn out. But when you, your first dream, which was to become a f- translator, a French yeah. translator? Mm-hmm. Okay. What was it about being a French translator? What do you think was the core of that for you? What were you well, really looking for? Well, it was exotic. I liked the idea of travel, although that wouldn't have been that particular job. I just love um, things to do from other countries and other cultures. And so why is that? Aside from um, the obvious that it's interesting and, you know, we should all be interested in what's go- going on in the world. But there's something in this about, I like when you said that it was exotic. Uh, by the way, you guys, it's okay if you call in and say, you know, I, I wanted to be a ditch digger or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be exotic. But, <laughs> but uh, um, what is it about the exotic? Why do you think you were attracted to that? I don't know. Well, here's a thought. Sure. Try this on for size. Okay. You didn't say, I wanted to be a French translator because um, there was the uh, nationalist, uh, anti-nationalist movement of North Africa against the French, and I wanted to be a part of, you know, helping them, you know, you know what I'm saying? There's like nothing that you're explaining that would really tell us except the word exotic because something that is exotic means that it's outside of our culture right Mm -hmm. i mean that's what makes something exotic well why would you want to be immersed in something that was outside of your own culture um maybe i thought our own culture was boring blind did you say boring i'm sorry i'm missing the word boring b-o-r-i-n-g oh boring well, that may be true, but I think there's something else. You know, here's a wild thought, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm trying to think about what I was attracted to in being very, very, very much uh, immersed in other cultures is that I hoped to find a sense of belonging somewhere else because I knew I didn't have it here. And I wanted to give myself a place and a part that... If you are the translator, you're necessary. So people can't even understand or talk to each other without you. So there you are. You have a necessary part and you have a role and a place to be admired and somewhere to stand out. And there's like a security in that. But there's also, I mean, maybe this is true for you too, which is this sense that in that world, you are going to be okay, admired, fine, whereas when you looked at the world that you grew up in, you didn't feel that way. Hmm. I mean, you're always right on, so I should be taking this in, but... It doesn't seem true to you? I don't know. Um, maybe I just want to be special, and that was something... I don't know. Obviously, well, that's not yes. it. Well, I can agree that you would want to be special, and being a French translator would make you special in this culture. So that would give you a little exotic. You would be exotic, and people would see. But it all has to do with, regardless of 
the exact flavor of it, it still seems to me that it has to do with wanting to be seen as valuable and that if you really already felt that way, you didn't need to be special anyway. You didn't need to be part of something exotic. You would feel that security. I know this seems very odd to you, Amy, but I have a feeling that I'm on the right track with this. Yeah. Well, I know I want to feel special. Like I have friends from other countries. That makes me special. Yes. And they think I'm special, too. Uh, well, and who, th- the friends from other countries, think you're special? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, very good. And why would they think you were special? Because um, I'm from another country from, as co- compared with them. Yes. You're in from another country, too. They can't compare you to everybody. They don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> what everybody yeah, else is true. Like. I could sort of feel like I didn't have a history or anything to deal with. Right, and that you weren't being compared to all the other Americans they knew because most of the other Americans they knew probably didn't speak French. So if anything you, that made you more valuable in their eyes because you were making an effort to understand them, so that would give you a secure place with them. Yeah. That they would need you. They would be flattered by your interest in them. Uh, They would value you. Uh, You would stand out. I mean, there's a million things. Yeah, like not everybody could do this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, there are a million things that all seem to have that same feeling of, if I'm not special and I don't have this exotic gift and I'm not different... Uh, I'm just going to merge with the background. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. So I want you to think about that because I think we're on the right track with this. And so if uh, if we're on the right track, and maybe I haven't articulated it perfectly, but I think it's good enough to get a flavor of it. Mm-hmm. If that's what you were really looking for. To be special? To be not, well, it's so weird. Amy, it's to be acceptable because you're special. I'm sorry, I had a call coming in and I missed the word. Be accepted? To be acceptable to others because you are special. Oh. You, you're not trying to be acceptable to others because you fit in. You're trying to be desirable or interesting or something because you're different. You're trying to create a niche for yourself by being different because you couldn't compete or didn't feel like you could compete with everybody else in their own turf, in their own territory. You had to do something special and stand out. So if you look at the bottom of that, uh, and we're going to have to go to commercial break. Right. But uh, if you look at the bottom of that, what do you actually see you were looking for? Besides to be special or needed or... It's not, it's not to be special. The being special is the way of getting the need met. Okay. Well, I guess it always comes down to being loved, right? Well, not always. Oh. Is it about being loved? No. Okay. So we'll just give, you an, uh, give it another minute. Okay. I feel like I'm taking a lot of time here. Well, that's okay, and we'll go into break, and we, we have a couple more callers, so I would love to be able to complete this if we can. Well, maybe you could give me a, a hint, because <laughs> you're great at that. Okay. 
Okay, so Amy, ask me a couple of questions, and I think we'll get there. Okay. Okay, ask me some questions. Oh, I you had specific <laughs> questions in mind. <laughs> uh, you have to, you have to uh, get the question. Okay. Um, well, I have a gift for languages. Is that what I wanted to express? No. No. <laughs> you already knew the answer to that one. <laughs> I don't have any more questions. Sure you do. James, do you have a question about Amy? Was she trying to fit in? Well, you no. said that already. No, I said you were trying to not fit in because you thought uh, you'd get lost. Trying to not fit in here? Yes. In this country? Yes, because you felt like you couldn't compete and you would get lost. Okay. So how secure did you feel in your place in our world? Not very. I'm giving you well, the Well, I mean, I knew I was kind of an odd person. Yes. So you were trying to make your oddness into an asset instead of make it into a detriment. Well, or, or take it somewhere where people would not know about it. They wouldn't know about it or they would value it. Like it may be odd that you spoke French, but it was a good thing if you're talking to French speakers. Right. I mean, odd in other ways, but anyway. Of course, I know that. But do you see what I'm saying now, Amy? You were trying, you didn't feel comfortable like you could really fit in and be accepted in your own culture, in your own society, because of how odd you felt you were. So you try to find something to do that would make you, your oddness, be desirable. Okay. I'm going to have to let that sit with that because it's not. Sit with that. Sit with that. I, I think, I really think that's pretty much it so um you know what you wanted something that you couldn't change yourself but instead you try to change the environment you were in in order to make it desirable and i would just ask you one thing um do have you succeeded in feeling ultimately that your oddness is acceptable um now i do i didn't used to okay so you've been working on that yeah. And that's where the salvation lies. And that was what your dream was to feel comfortable and accepted. Yeah, because interestingly enough, I'm not so interested in traveling anymore like I used to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you see now? Yeah. I mean, it took out. me out of my world that I didn't want to be in and put me somewhere yes. else where I was valued. Yes. You got it. Okay. And now you're learning that you can be valued where you are just when you're, when you're yourself and you find the right people. Thank you for calling, Amy. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, we have a couple more callers. Please hang in there because we have to go to commercial break. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, 
www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back to Inside Out. Our next caller is Corey, and we're talking about what our dreams were when we were children, and we're really discovering that there's something underneath those dreams. <laughs> and when we really know what we're looking for, we know how to find it. Okay, Corey. Hey, Beth and James. Hello. Well, um, I grew up in Florida, and when I was a kid, I loved to mound up dirt and make roads and street tree plantings. <laughs> and it fascinated me, and I kept doing it and doing it. And then, uh, and I didn't know anything what that was going to lead to. And then I also was dreaming about having a house with big gate and having a baby grand piano inside it. <laughs> <laughs> now, did, did, did you say... And then, and then oh, wait, at wait, Corey, grade, I started you... playing saxophone and thought wait, I'd become wait, a professional wait, wait, saxophonist. Your first dream was about... Plants and landscaping? It was like uh, making street, creating roads on like hillsides with street okay. tree planting. Okay, roads and hillsides, and then you went to, um, I can't remember. Well, no, I was designing a house, and it had oh. a, that was what I wanted, um, yep. but it has a big gate. A house with a gate. And then a, grand, a baby grand piano inside it. Okay, right, and then you ended up, with the saxophone. Yeah, at six, Dream. At sixth okay. grade through college. And did you pursue any of those? Well, I became a landscape architect and then became an architect, basically a residential designer. Ah, okay. And, well, and, yes, you did. But then okay. the piano, I never really embraced. I took piano lessons that just wouldn't stick. And so... There's something about that music, I think, and why I had gates. It always had gates out front. (laughs) (laughs) Protecting something or hiding something, I'm not sure. Okay, so... prestige. (laughs) So you did, you followed the landscape architect, so you actually went after that dream. Uh, Well, well, I didn't know it until high school, and then I went, oh, landscape architecture, that's what I could do. No, absolutely. But, I mean, that was, there was some feeling you had about what you wanted to be engaged in that you did follow up on. And then the the house with the gate, well, you can do that. But you don't, but there's the piano that you were lousy at. And how were you with the sax? And what? How were you with the saxophone? Oh, I was good. But when I got into college, they said I couldn't do, I wasn't good enough to do performance. And that's what I wanted to do. Okay, now here's a question. Hmm. Did you want to play the instruments or did you want to perform? Play the instruments. Okay. So did you stop playing the saxophone when they said you weren't good enough to perform? 
Uh, no, about a couple of years later. So you did stop playing the saxophone. Yeah. So now I want you to check in, go into your heart, and ask yourself, did I want the experience of playing the instrument, and maybe you just completed that experience, or did I want to perform? Mm, Yeah, I wanted to perform. That's right. (laughs) 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 Okay. Now, let's go back to the gate. I'm curious about that. Go into your heart and ask yourself what the gate represents. Well, Keeping I did some... two things. One is prestige and also protection. Yes. Very good. Prestige and protection. I'm not going to ask you about the rocking and rolling hills. I'm really struck by this. So um, what does performance give you? A rush. Uh, people like me. Uh, and do, does uh, performing give you prestige and protection? It gives you prestige, but it, I don't know. I guess well, it would give you protection, yeah. Yeah, it does. It can give you protection because when you're performing, you're not being yourself. <laughs> yeah. You see what I mean, Corey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? So I, I'm feeling like your dreams, your dream is to have prestige and protection, to, have, to find a way of being in the world where you can feel safely hidden behind something where you're performing, but you're still getting the attention and the accolades. Some people want to hide, like they just want to go bye-bye, Right. But other people are trying to hide behind something because they don't want to give up the, uh, the kudos, the attention, and all of that. Okay, so I think that's what you were looking for. That was your dream, was that you would find a way to express yourself where you would have lots of prestige and you would have lots of kudos, but that you would not be exposed. Yeah. So how have you done with that? How did you pers- end up pursuing that well, what's exactly. interesting, then I became Pluto out of Disney World. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there I am, performing but hidden. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and for the longest of times, yeah, when, well, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's like being perfectionist. And well, then, are you... Are you still a landscape architect, or are you doing something else? I'm now doing more uh, in more counseling and massage. Okay. So now, does counseling and massage count towards uh, um, performance and protection? It can. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah, and I can stay on my side of the the rightness of things, and someone looks up to me to yes uh, and, for help. Right, and you get to work on them. Perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> there it is. So you have definitely pursued that. Now, how is it feeling to you now that you've gotten it? It, it loosened my belly up. <sighs> yeah, I feel less tense for that. So, um, Corey. Is that what you want now? Yes. 
Well, I want the healing. Okay. But I don't, I, I don't feel like I need the protection any longer. Right. Well, so then do you need the performance? I'm still holding on to that. Okay. So, if you were not trying to get performance or protection, what do you think would change in your life? It'd be more real. Yes. More warm. Yes. More genuine, yeah. Yes. Yes. Is that a dream worth pursuing? Definitely. Good. God bless you. Yeah, it's actually what I was working on somebody lately. <laughs> so that's a, <laughs> a definite mirror for me right there. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Good. Well, you do that. <laughs> well, Thanks for right. calling, honey. Thank you. All right. Okay. Our next caller is Elizabeth from Fallbrook. Welcome to Inside Out, Elizabeth. Hi, Beth and James. Hi. Hi. Um... I remember uh, always wanting to help people, mm-hmm. having a dream of helping people and using my hands to help people and live in the mountains. Oh. <laughs> or at least be closer to mountains. Okay. So now, where do you think those dreams came from? Um, well, probably the helping people. Um, just growing up in a family culture that has a lot of pain and just wanting to help change that. Mm-hmm. Um, mountains? Hmm. Our Suppose, group is flatland, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I don't blame you for wanting to be in the mountains or wanting to be a helper because, you know, I love to be around the mountains and I'm in the profession too, but I, there's something else going on. So I want to go back and I want to ask you this question again. Um, which is, why did you want to be a helper? Something else is going to come to you. Well, did it have anything to do with wanting to feel important? Yes, yeah. it mm-hmm. did. And why did you want to live in the mountains? Why did I want to live in the mountains? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Hmm. Aside from the beauty of the mountains, I think it makes you feel safe, like you're squirreled away somewhere. Uh, From people. Yes. (laughs) So you want to be important to people, but you don't want to have them around. (laughs) You know, I can identify with that. So how do you, how have you tried to be important, but not be uh, vulnerable to people? At the same time. Because you can't be important to people unless you're around people, right? (laughs) Yeah. So how have you tried to combine those? It's interesting, isn't it, that you follow up uh, from Corey, that he had his own, you know, he wanted the performance and he wanted the protection. Um, Mm -hmm. But he used the performance as a way of protecting himself. But he wanted to be important to people. So um, how have you... 
try to accomplish that, being important to people and yet being somehow removed? Well, hmm, I'm kind of stumped with it, but what's coming up, which I don't know if it's applicable, applicable, but, uh, you know, helping people, you know, in my profession, but yet not really fully stepping into it. So I'm not. Yeah, I think you're very close. You, okay. You're helping people in your profession, but you don't want to have to connect to the people to do it. But I don't want to have to what? Connect to the people in order connect to... Connect to the people. So you're always looking for a way of being detached from the people and yet helping them. Hmm. What kind and of work do you do? A, pardon? What kind of work do you do? I'm a physical therapist. Okay. okay. Um... So I also wonder if, uh, because I've been trying to go into a different route with my career, uh, with my skills, yes. and I have felt very blocked, so I yes. wonder if, that has, if that's why I'm so blocked, because I have to connect people. Yes, because the direction oh. that you're, exactly, <laughs> you got that it. That means I have to connect more with people, and I've been trying to avoid that, so I've been blocking my own self. Exactly, exactly. Oh, dear God. Well, but that's perfect. So now you see what you're doing, and the direction that you're trying to go into, whatever this direction is, definitely you have to be more connected to people, and so there is that inner block. But that is definitely uh, a dream worth pursuing. So the best of luck to you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to take our next commercial break. Uh, just a little early this time because we have two more callers and uh, that's probably all the callers that we'll be able to take. So you guys, callers, please hang in there and uh, we'll take you right after the break because I also have something very exciting to share with you by the end of the show. So hang in there, everybody. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. 
To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back to Inside Out, where we are talking about the dreams we had as children, and we're beginning to get some very interesting insights as to what we were really looking for. And so many of us are discovering that what we were really trying to achieve was something that was contrary to our evolution and <laughs> and the highest good of all. And now we have Richard from California. Welcome, Richard. Richard. Richard, are you on mute? No, I'm, I'm not on mute. Oh, okay. Now we can hear you. you. Can you, can you yes. hear me? Yes, no. we can now. Okay. Um, well, you know, I was uh, raised in a household that was very involved with uh, the Catholic Church. And so my first thought when I when you asked about... Uh, what my childhood dream was, was uh, to be a priest. But then right after I thought that, I thought, wait a minute, I seem to remember wanting to be a policeman or a fireman when I was was younger. You know, like I'm talking maybe, I don't know, second grade, third grade, something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wonder if... You know, I don't know. I was going to say, I just wonder if I somehow got waylaid by the fact that, you know, I was immersed in this culture, and what I really wanted to do was something that was, uh, well, it seems very adventuresome, and like high, I was going to say high anxiety, but not exactly, but rather uh, uh, like it would get your adrenaline pumping, you know. High energy, that's for sure. Very yeah. physically challenging. Right, exactly. Uh, all of that. Where, where you have to be on your, on your toes all the time and very alert and, um, you know, prepared for anything. There, was, there, was, there would be little predictability. That is interesting. That is interesting. Now, um, let's go a little bit deeper into that because those are very important characteristics that you're describing of the policeman or a fireman. But what is the most striking thing to me about that dream, being a little kid, is you see the policeman and the fireman as helping people. Now, if you were black growing up, you know, with white police, you might not see the police that way. But, right. uh, you know, unless you're in that kind of a situation, you might think of the police and the fire as the protector of the people. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that was the way you saw them? Uh, when I was very young, yes. I yes. think that, is, that okay. is how I saw them. As I got older, I didn't see them that way. But, you know, particularly when you talk about people of color and yeah. this the corruption that existed in the in the right. area that, that I grew up in. Yeah. Right, right. But in the, in the beginning, you no, felt... Uh, you they were like were, a hero. Exactly. So they were heroes who were saving people. Yes. Now, now yeah. d- did you think of the priest as saving people, or did you think of the priest as someone who was inward? 
and not too challenged. No, I, I don't. I think I did think of the priest as saving people, but also someone that focused a lot on the inward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the inner life or the inner world. Mm-hmm. So, so. It, if that is the case, then on some level there isn't a big difference between the priest and the fireman in that if the essence of the dream was to help people, then you still were looking for the same thing, but that you had turned your attention from the external the protection on the physical plane to the internal where you wanted to take care of people on the inner plane. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's the same dream. If that is in fact the way that you were, you know, what was motivating them, what the way you were seeing them. Now, uh, let's say for a moment that they were. Did you pursue that dream of uh, going deep into people and trying to help them and save them? Yes. I I actually entered the seminary for a year, and then I decided that wasn't the right venue, and uh, then taught school, and then became a school-based counselor. And so, yeah, my whole adult life in various forms, it was with helping people. Okay, so you you were just finding a different venue for the same dream, which was how can I help people? Yeah. Now I okay. Now that all makes sense, Richard. But on an intuitive level, there's something in me that says yes, but I, I'm having the same feeling. That's funny that you should say that. <laughs> so not what? Fun, not funny at all. But I mean, I yeah. I was feel, feeling the same thing. Yeah. So what's the but, Richard? Uh, I think I, a thought has just come to mind. See if this works. I think that when you were a child uh, and you wanted to be a fireman or a uh, policeman, that you were not being self-protective. You thought more about protecting others than you were pr- of protecting yourself. Yes. But I, I have a feeling that as you went on, you went from... Um, the uh, focus more on protecting others and uh, less on protecting yourself. To you still want to help others, but you need, to, but you feel the need to protect yourself more and more and more as the years would pass, and that the dream began to change into, oh yes, I want to save people, but I don't want to take so many risks. Yeah. Does that feel right to you? Yes. So it's, it's I. Yeah. Go. Okay, so my guess is that the but, the yes but is, yes, I want to help people, but no, I'm not willing. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to risk less and less in order to do it. I think that's where you're caught. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I have to ask you this quickly because we have one more caller and then we have a, sure. a lot to do at the end of the show. But I, I'd love to address this with you. Um, how do you feel about the fact that you shifted from being all one way, which, of course, is also crazy, right? <laughs> we don't want to be, like, totally not taking care of ourselves. That doesn't work either. Um, you don't fling yourself into a burning building unless you really know you're going to be able to get out or you're not going to be able to keep working. But uh, 
what, how do you feel about the fact that you've become more and more self-protective and less and less uh, willing to jump in regardless of the consequences? Well, I, I have a sinking feeling in my stomach. I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. So would you like to recapture more of that initial dream? Would I like to re- you mean recapture the feeling of, of being willing to take a risk, etc.? Yes, yes. Yes, yes I would. <sighs> well, um, there, uh, since we're really out of time, all I can suggest to you right now is that you work on that and, and, you know, and pray about it, because obviously you're a, you're a religious man, um, and say, God, help me to get back that, you know, help me to see where I lost that willingness to take risks in order to do what I felt was necessary to help others and help me to get that back. Okay. So I would just suggest that. Thank you so much for calling, Richard. Irene Thanks. from San Diego, we just have like a minute for you. Okay. Um, I, I think that my dream was to be a teacher. Um, is that right? Or am no. I going down the wrong path? Wrong path. Um, well, I wanted to be a nun when I was in high school. Yeah, this is before high school. Well, I had a weird dream. I wanted to, uh, when I was a child, I wanted to go into the country with my brother as my partner and breed dogs. Aha. Okay. That found, that's it. <laughs> and, and so, um, why did you want to breed dogs? Um, well, they loved you. They were expressive. Um, I felt very connected to dogs. Mm-hmm. And, and what was the, did you have a lot of dogs? I had a dog. We always had a dog, but I was reading a lot of books about, uh, stories about dogs, fiction about dogs. And and what did you... And I think their loyalty and their... Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So your lifetime ambition was to create an environment of loyalty to yourself. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's great. (laughs) And so... Okay, and how did you think you were going to achieve that? At the time? Well, uh, how, how have you tried to pursue that dream of, of having oh, people surround yourself with beings that are loyal to you? Well, by doing something for them and making them dependent on me. Right, so whether it's dogs or children or little kids, you know, school kids. Yeah. Or uh-huh. whatever else, yeah, exactly. You were you were trying to create a pack that would be loyal to you, and have you succeeded? Uh, well, I don't want that anymore. Well, but did you succeed? No, and no, of, <laughs> of course not, because children are not loyal. Students, are, nobody is. They're busy going right. after their own agenda. So right. I'm glad to hear that you've given that up. And so, um, 
Uh, my own, I really have got to go, but my only suggestion to you, Irene, is take a look at this and laugh because I can see you can already do that and yes. say, you know, what is it going to take inside me to be able to let that go? It's like, why did I need loyalty to start with? And uh, what, what yeah. can I heal within me that where I trust that people would be with me because they want me? And I think you're already working on it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Irene. Well, Uh we are, of course, running out of time. And I just wanted to take a couple minutes at the end of the show to talk to you about next week's program. I have mentioned our climate special a couple of times here and there. It's called the Climate Opportunity, and it's about helping ourselves while we're improving our climate. And it's We did pre-record this show last Thursday, and I want to tell you, it was awesome. (laughs) It's two hours. It's a two-hour special, and people said, how are you going to have two hours on this topic? Well, the time flies. So next week, instead of our regular Inside Out, where you call in and I answer questions, we do all this good stuff, we are going to have our two-hour panel, and it's going to start at 2 o'clock Pacific time, 2 to 4. And for you guys on the East Coast, that would be 5 to 7, right? And um, Or reverse. No, I think I got it right, didn't I? So, And, of course, it's going to be on podcast right after the broadcast. So even if you can't listen to all two hours at the same time, listen to this whole whole program. You are going to be mind blown. I have been one of those people who knew we needed to talk about climate change, but I didn't want to think about it myself because it was too depressing. But my guests on this show, which I co-hosted with Grant Dean, Dr. Grant Dean, um, these people have so many positive, fascinating things to share about what all this global warming is really about and what we can do to change the weather for the better. And you will be amazed. I think for many of you, I'm not saying all, this could be like a major turning point because, you know, climate change is, if, if, if not uh, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges that humanity faces. If we don't get a handle on this guy, uh, we're not going to be able to do much of anything else. And yet, uh, we have to build the political will to get our politicians working on it, and we have to find out what we can do. And this show, I mean, we talk about, starting at the kitchen table, how you can actually impact the climate in a positive way. You've got to listen to this program. Mark your calendar, November 11th. uh, We're going to have this broadcast aired for the first time, and then it's going to be on podcast. It's a fantastic program. I really hope that you listen. I hope that you learn. I hope you are stimulated. I hope that you get all kinds of other incredible ideas from this program that you can share with the world so that together we can face this issue. So I invite you to listen to our show next week. You can't call in, but you can listen to these fabulous guests. And I want to thank Voice America for co-sponsoring this with Inside Out. This is a Voice America special, which we're going to be airing on Inside Out. And it's going to be airing on different channels of Voice America over the coming months. So join us. Thank you so much. And thank you, James, for letting me grab your job this afternoon.
Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.